0: And uh, hey, if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome to you. And uh, thanks, Josh. Doing a great ma- doing a great job. And uh, if you ever want to buy some really good honey, go and see this man. How many hives have you got? Josh. How many honey hives have you got? Round 40. Round 40? produces some amazing honey, so why don't you support him in his business. And uh, again, yeah, just want to extend a warm welcome to you on this rainy day. And uh, if you're here visiting for the first time, come and say hello over in the guest lounge. And uh, if you're watching online, come see us in person. Come and say hi, and uh, love to have you here. And uh, but happy belated Father's Day. And especially wanna honor uh, some of those fathers that are brand new fathers. I think brand new. Did I see hooty Got a new baby? Out in the parents' room. and Travis and Sarah new baby congratulations to you guys and um, pray God's blessing over you and uh, hey great great weekend we've got some uh, just amazing times at the moment that we're living in and uh, uh, I really urge you to come to the the meet the candidates uh, seminar that we've got coming on we're going to bring them here I think we've got about seven of them and uh, we've got a team come together. We've got a whole bunch of really good quality questions to put to them. And uh, really, it's important to be part of this uh, crucial time in our, in our history. And, uh, but first of all, I, I, I honoured my own father just, uh, just the other week. But I really want to just honour a couple of other particular men that have played a big role in my life uh, in, in one form or, or another. And uh, the first one is Pat Mulligan and uh this is one of my first bosses and uh today i just want to thank you pat and uh thank you you, uh for for your investment into me and uh uh, every day you know sometimes you had to drag me out of bed you know to discipline me to to shape me and uh, so thank you pat and uh, i know it wasn't just me but there was other guys as well so uh, but thank you for your belief in me thank you for uh, helping me get that first step up in life thank you for um, teaching me how to drink a cup of coffee real quick and get back into work. <laughs> Never the same since, but I really wanna honor you and, and thank you for your, uh, for your love and your care, and you still do. Uh, also, wanna just thank Bob, uh, where's Bob? Uh, Bob, Bob Hamilton, thank you for your, your love and your care and, and for standing with me. Even, to, and even today, you still stand with me, you still believe in me. I remember years ago that you, um, you, know, you, the words that you spoke and your love and your care for me, I wanna thank you today as well. Uh, also a, uh, just want to Peter Kirsten um, for your love and uh, your words into my life as well your words of wisdom, your prophetic words um, your, your, just your care um, there was a particular critical part of my life where uh, I, I had a number of decisions to make and uh, you phoned me up, I had a cup of tea with you down in your uh, your nice office <laughs> down the road there and uh, you spoke as a father to me about what you believed in my life and what, what you believed I should be doing. Not only did you be- speak, but you also invested financially into my life as well. And uh, today I want to thank you. Uh, I have a jet boat today because of you. <laughs> thank you, Pete. I really do love you and Sandy. Um, and also one, uh, last but not least, uh, another very, very special man uh, is Matthew Charlton. And uh, where's Matthew? Matthew. Yeah, come on, put our hands together for Matthew I Really want to honour you today, Matthew, and thank you. You drove the wedding car when Kate and I got married. I don't believe that you look a day older since that day. Uh, I spent a lot of, your t- lot of time at your house, I remember I think the first time we met, I was probably driving a wee bit fast, trying to get away from, and you had a good place to hide, so <laughs> But I wanna thank you for your love. You still pray for us, you still stand with me. Um, you invest into my life, you invest words, you invest your prayer, you have invested skills. I can do a lot of things because you showed me how to do it. You, uh, you've you given your time to help me build a house, you've taught me how to weld, you've taught me how to fix things that are broken, you've taught me how to do a number of uh, crazy things. And uh, and, uh, you, you've spoken into, you've, you've corrected me when I've needed that and uh, today, I, I want to publicly just acknowledge uh, my love for you and, uh, and your family. You are a great dad. You're a great dad to a lot of people. And uh, today I just want to honor you. And uh, may God bless you. May his, um, may you really experience breakthrough in your life. And uh, uh, you're, an ama- you're an amazing man. So happy Father's Day to you. To all other fathers out there, again, just want to really want to honor you today. And uh, today we, it is Yom Kippur. It is the Day of Atonement. Uh, But I really felt something I want to share differently with you today, something I felt uh, the Lord speak to me and stirring in my own heart is uh, also one of the, it's also one of the days, um, if you know your history, in in recent history, uh, in in October 1973, there was a great war, the War of Yom Kippur, which is is one of the greatest battles, I believe, uh, in, in modern history, where the Arab states launched an attack against Israel, hoping to win back territory that was lost to Israel during the previous Six-Day War of 1967, which Ara- Israel arose and defeated Arab states. So uh, if you ever get the chance to go there, we went onto the battlefield of, of one of the battlefields of Yom Kippur, and we could see um, how literally only, I think it was only about 200, uh, 200 or so uh, Israeli tanks withstood, and not only just withstood, but defeated 1,500 uh, Syrian tanks. We stood on the battlefield and watched how they defeated them. And you know, even to this day, uh, the no, uh, uh, the United States or, or other military powers are unable to really draw any intelligence from that, from those victories, because it was only, it was only because of the hand of God that was that empowered them to win a great victory. And so it, it was interesting when I when I was reading that today, uh, and it's just over the last couple of days how the war is always about territory. There's a war always about territory. And in, in, in the Six-Day War, uh, it, was, it, was what, it was the third war. It was the it was three wars between the Arabs and, the, and, and Israel. But in the Six-Day War, uh, it was about five Arab nations came against them. Uh, and again, they were able to defeat them. Uh, absolutely, and, and they defeated them that much. One small nation with the power of God, I believe, defeated them that much that they that they pushed the boundaries of territory back into their own land. Pushed the boundaries of territory back. And so that there's why the Yom Kippur War came about is because it was such an embarrassment, it was such a victory, it was such, uh, it, it was so remarkable. It was also uh, bad for the other people because they had lost so much territory. So this Yom Kippur War was about the regaining of territory. Uh, that the enemy had lost. And so again, the Israelites, were were, were, Israel defeated them again. And so there had to be negotiation between uh, drawing some boundaries. So we've got to understand that there is a, uh, it's not just a day of atonement, but there's a day of of the remembrance of conflict as well. And not just the remembrance of conflict, because it's interesting, I believe this, that uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, uses situations, uses circumstances, uses events to remind us of things that we are facing now. Jesus used, Trees, and he used things that were around him to illustrate things. He used specific occasions. He used the specific celebrations to make particular announcements. When Jesus made announcements that He is the uh, the the, the, um, the living water, it was on a particular occasion. They were so it's quite remarkable that on particular occasions and particular events, that uh, certain statements or certain prophecies or certain decrees are also released at that time. And so it's on that basis that I want to bring to you what I felt the Lord has placed on my heart this morning. Uh, Today we still face conflict. And one of the biggest conflicts that we're facing in our world right now, in this moment of time, is one of fatherhood. There is a conflict around fatherhood. And uh, there's also, I believe, a conflict, a fight of faith in the hearts of men at this time. So today we celebrate Father's Day, but I wanna, I wanna kind of speak not just to fathers, but also, but all men this morning. And uh, there is a conflict, whether you are aware of it, or whether you see it, or whether you're not aware of it. There is a conflict for the, uh, for the design of fatherhood. There is a conflict for the hearts of men in this hour. It always has been. I believe this: that man was made in the image of God, and so whenever the enemy looks at man, whenever he looks at a man, he sees the image of God. And he does everything he can to die and disrupt that, to destroy it, to distort it. And so, if you're a man here, I can assure you today, uh, there is a there is an assault against your life to uh, to to disfigure you to to bring you out of, of what God has designed for you. there is a, I believe there is a contention, a fight of faith for the hearts of men. So I do want to acknowledge and appeal to men today. And I say men because fatherhood is irrespective of, of whether or not that you have procre- procreated. In other words, uh, just because you have procreated, you've got a, a child or some sort, uh, it does not necessarily mean that you're a, a father. You can just be a biological dad. But... Fatherhood is something completely different. There are men today that you may not have any biological children, but you carry the heart of a father. You carry the heart of a father. And I want to honor you today. There are some people that you'll be even trying to have a, a, a biological son or a biological, biological child, but you're struggling. And that, that does not mean that makes you ever, e- either, ever or any less of a father than, than what God has called you to be. So fatherhood is irrespective of whether you have uh, biological children or not. So I want to appeal to you. Even fatherhood is, is, is forged from a young age. Uh, fatherhood can be forged from a young age. So I do want to appeal uh, to men today. Uh, just because you have a child doesn't necessarily mean that you're a father. You have to grow in it. You have to develop it. It has to be forged in your life. And I want to open up a piece of scripture for you this morning. I felt the Lord drop into my heart. And it's in Joel chapter three. Joel chapter three. Again, we're going to look at this prophetically and see what uh, what I feel that what I really sense strongly the Lord speaking about. Joel chapter three. It's a prophetic piece of scripture. It is an it's an age where uh, people have been held captive. God's people have been held captive. And you don't have to look very far to see that men everywhere are held captive. Uh, men everywhere fatherhood has been held captive there people are held captively in their hearts and in their spirits but the effect of it outworks in our society and uh, so i really want to speak into that this morning Uh, uh, there are I, i believe this there are spirits right now at work to keep people impoverished to keep us from entering into what god has for you your family our family and in this nation. I believe it's important that we understand that there's most certainly a spiritual conflict. And if you know what to see, if you know what to look for, uh, and if you have a heart that's uh, leaning to that way, you can, you can see the work of, uh, of spirit powers and, and how they keep families in bondages. It doesn't matter whether you come to church or not, it's becoming spiritually aware of, of what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our nation. And uh, I even know that today, there'll be spirits operating in people's families. And I want to encourage you, and as you hear this this morning, to take heart, to take faith, because at some point, God's going to need a man to stand up and break this sort of stuff off their family. Break poverty. Break the cycles of dysfunction. There are spirits that operate in there. It's one thing to be healed, but it's another thing to confront the spirit that keeps it in bondage. I've been, I've had, Healing prayers, I've, uh, of, of, I've got more to go through. But there's still I still have to confront the spirits that, that come against me. And uh, so today I want to speak into this. And so in verse 9 of Joel chapter 3. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Sorry, I'm going to go up a bit. Sorry, verse 1. The, this is the context about the Lord, what the Lord is wanting to do. For behold, in verse 1, Joel chapter 3 and verse 1, for behold, in the days and in that time when I shall listen to those two things. Reverse the captivity. Reverse that captivity. In other words, where people, where families, where nations, where family groups have been held in captivity in one form or another. He's saying, one, this is the amplified version, I shall reverse the captivity, in other words bring people out of that and bring them into freedom that's what reversing captivity means and restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem so essentially what he's saying, this is the context this is what the Lord is wanting to do he is wanting to reverse, somebody say reverse he wants to reverse captivity and restore fortunes I love that (laughs) Reverse captivity. I wonder how I wonder how far, if if your eyes were really opened, if you got to the point and you really had the revelation of the Holy Spirit of how much we live in uh, how much captivity there has been and existing around our life. I wonder how much of what God has for us that has been held back or been captivated that God wants to release back into our life. I believe there is financial restoration. Uh, I believe this is also about territory, this is about finance, this is about freedom and about restoration. So this is the context of what God is wanting to do. I shall reverse the captivity and restore the fortunes. In other words, restore wealth. I believe that there is wealth that has been set up for you to inherit, not just spiritual wealth, actual, physical, tangible wealth that God has to bless you with. So then where can it be released into our life? Why isn't it being released? I believe one of the big reasons why uh, people live in poverty is because of spiritual bondages and because of spiritual captivity in the mind and in the heart. I believe also uh, in the areas of purity, in the areas of, um, especially for our young people, there's a contention for the purity of our young people right now. There is something about uh, sexual purity which is worth far beyond uh, rubies. And here we have people uh, in, in various sectors trying to get people, trying to get our, our teachers to educate that and to say that it's okay to pretend that you're this or pretend that you, I mean, it's horrendous what's going on in the world today. There is a, a, a desire or there's a move to bring people into perversion, which is a captivity there's a move in our world and a move in secular and secular societies right now to bring people into place of captivity it talks of freedom but actually what it is is captivity all right Proclaim, and so, here, so this is the context of what the Lord was want to do. And here then is the context um, or the call to action in verse 9 to 7. Proclaim this amongst the nations. Prepare for war. There's three things I felt the, uh, the Lord speak to me in this. Very, very simple. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. <laughs> Wake up. Imagine if we had church. Remember, imagine if the men would line up for church like the ladies would line up for a clothes swap. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men, all, all. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Split your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, and let the weak say, Come on, men. Let the weak say, I am strong. strong. Don't let the ladies say that for you. (laughs) They've already demonstrated their strength. But for men, let the weak say, I am strong. One of the big contentions is for strong men today. Uh, interesting, when I was just having a little bit of a study on this, if you look about even other religions, like if you look at, for example, Islam, or you look at Hinduism, one of the greatest represent, the greatest gender represented in those religions is men. When it comes to the church, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the things of the one true God, God's holy people, often... The greatest representation is that of woman. There's a conflict around it. There's a conflict for the hearts of men. There's a conflict for your heart. I love these. uh, Love these lines he just said. Wake up, wake up the mighty men. One of the first things I see is this. He calls the mighty. So it doesn't really matter if you've failed or whatever state you're in, the Lord speaks to you and calls you as you are. You are mighty. You are mighty. You are mighty. He calls them mighty even though they are asleep. Even though they have laid down. Even though they are, can be in a place of defeat. He still calls them mighty. He does that all through Scripture. He did that through uh, through Gideon. Where Gideon was just in the doing the horticultural work, and the first thing he said to, you're a mighty man of valor. Gideon's response was, no, I think you got the wrong person. No, he calls you to who you are. Men, you are made in the image of God. Our God is mighty. There is a mightiness around your life that you can lay a hold of. It has got nothing to do really with physical strength. There were physically strong people in the Bible, but there were also physically weak people who actually became spiritually strong. Mighty. Mighty is not just about physical strength. It is more to do with having about having a strong heart, a healed heart, a whole heart, and a strong spirit. And this is found in humility and prayer and vulnerability to the Lord and one another. A lot of people, a lot of men prance around being macho. But actually, when it comes to the things of the heart, or things when it comes to prayer, it's very quiet. When it comes to being able to handle rejection, when it comes to be able to handle disappointment, when it, becomes, when it comes time to handle things that don't go your way, you collapse like a ball of whatever, powder. You might be physically strong, but you collapse under the weight of spiritual pressure. You collapse under the weight of responsibility of holding up your household spiritually. You might go to the gym and all that sort of stuff and pump yourself up and look physically strong. But when it comes down to the mahi, when it comes to carrying the load of responsibility, when it comes to coming before the Lord and allowing somebody to speak into your heart, so that's where real strength is found and allowing your heart to become vulnerable. I want to assure you today, I met with a bunch of new emerging pastors at the begin- on Sunday night. And one of the things that was evident as these men I gathered together with was the vulnerability that started to come out. No one was pretending to be anything that they weren't. There was no trying physical show of strength, no trying to compare who's got what's church. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It had to do about sharing the hearts and about sharing struggles and about encouraging one another. All from different churches, different church movements, and here we are coming together, sharing hearts, becoming vulnerable. I tell you right now, there's a strength in that. The future is good with that kind of leadership. It's found in prayer. It's found in humility. But he caused them to wake up, to wake up, to become conscious or to stir up out of lethargy. Maybe You've taken a few hits that have knocked you out. You know, when you wake up somebody, they're either fallen asleep because they've just got tired and lazy, or they just got tired or they've been working or they've been doing things, or they just they just become the Faj and gone to sleep. That's one way people can go to sleep. Sometimes though, if you watch the UFC, sometimes people go to sleep. <laughs> <Knock out. laughs> Bang, king hit, knocked out. Sometimes you get in a sleeper hold and somebody's put you to sleep that way. A sleepy hug. <laughs> but this is what happens with a lot of men. Sometimes you get a few knocks, a few hard knocks, and next thing you know, you've just gone to sleep. You become unconscious. You become unaware of what's going on in you and what's going on around you. The thing is, when you're asleep, interesting that you were reminded with our smoke alarms is this to get your smoke alarms changed the uh, batteries in your smoke alarms changed you can't smell smoke in your sleep wow. the same thing as men we can't smell danger when we're asleep wow. wow. can't smell the fire that's burning of destruct the fire of destruction that's burning cuz we're asleep We need a smoke alarm to say, hey, 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 get out of bed, get out of the house. Today I'm your smoke alarm, baby. Maybe, maybe you've just been knocked, men. Maybe you've been knocked by sin. Maybe you've just been knocked by disappointment. Maybe you've been knocked, uh, maybe some things that you've done or you just knocked yourself out. (laughs) It happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it truly does. So people knock themselves out, but it happens spiritually. People knock, get a knock, and next thing you know, they sleep. They're just lying down. Sometimes people just get tired. People just—it's the thing about when you have life so good for so long in a great country like ours. Sometimes you just—it's very easy to go to sleep spiritually. One of the things. Um, even a ferret, one of the things a ferret will do, I don't know if you've seen a ferret do its dance, but what it does, it dances this way and that way, and it hypnotizes its prey and gets them all daisy. The next thing you know, it can pounce on them. Sometimes men get hypnotized by a lot of visual things that are going on around them, emotional things, and it gets them, uh, all of a sudden they just get hypnotized and they can't see anything else around them. Wake up! Wake up. Come conscious to stir up out of lethargy. Sometimes people have been seduced to sleep by spirits. That's what happened with Samson, a mighty man. He got seduced to sleep by spirits. How can you tell when people stop praying or they just don't get up anymore? They just they stop praying at all. Or they, they start to get seduced into and, and, and their thinking and into their emotions, and they, they just go to sleep. Before you know it, you're just lights out, completely unaware. Completely unaware about the spirits that are coming around your family. Completely unaware about the spirits that are coming around you. Completely unaware about the spirits that are coming over your your, your finances, over your wife, over your children, over your grandchildren. Completely unaware, completely oblivious. Because you've been seduced to sleep. God is calling us to wake up. Wake up, gentlemen, wake up. Get out of bed. Wake up. If you've had a knock, let me help you get back up onto your feet again. Get back up onto your feet again. You got disappointed. Yes, so have I. I just got back up again. The Bible says even though a righteous man falls seven times, seven times he gets back up again. If you have fallen, if you've had too much to drink, don't be too hard on yourself. Just become vulnerable. Allow allow the Lord to heal your heart. Get in there. Talk about it. Start to confront the spirits that are keeping you in bondage on that, but just get back up. Get back up, if you've mucked up in your finances. A lot of people have. Don't be hard on yourself, just get back up again. Just get back up again, that's all you gotta do. Wake up, first thing, wake up. Become aware. Become aware of the impact of your life around other people. Become aware of the impact of your decisions. Become aware of the impact of your lifestyle upon what's going on around you and around your family. Sometimes men can be so consumed with involvement and different things, we actually become unaware of the impact and the effect of us not being there uh, uh, on our marriage and our kids. Wake up. It's about becoming aware, aware of what's going on inside of you, aware of what's going on around you. So uh, uh, emotional intelligence 101 is this. First, becoming aware of your emotional condition inside. Secondly, it's becoming aware of the impact that it has around you. See, a leader is not just your ability to organize things or to, to be strong and muscular. Be, becoming a leader is first about being a leader of your own heart, second, about learning to understand uh, the, the effect of that around other people. <laughs> second thing he says draw near, wake up first, draw near. In other words, decide to come close and not stand at a distance. Draw near. Draw near. Make a step. Make a decision to not just stand back in your marriage. Make a decision not to just stand back in in your family. Make a decision not to stand back in coming to church. Make a decision to draw near. You can't influence from a distance. You have to be engaged. One of the best forms of influence, one of the best forms or marks of a leader is this, that they are present, they are close to it. They are close to the action. That's why I don't believe internet ministries are that very, I mean, they're they're okay, but they're remote, they're distant. They're not on the front face of people. We have to draw near. There has to be a, a part of our life. We have to draw near in prayer. In other words, stop praying from a distance. Stop singing at the back. Come to the front. Draw near. Be actively engaged. If there is a conflict, if there is a. See, the thing about conflict is this don't try and handle conflict from a distance. That's right. yeah. Padre will help you handle conflict, take you out and put you on a wild boar. <laughs> you have to manhandle it, you can't do it remotely. At some point, you have to put your hands on the wild boar, <laughs> manhandle them. Can't do it from a distance. If you are in poverty, you're struggling with finances, draw near, get close to it. Can't do it from a distance. If there are issues with your children, get close. Just make a couple of steps to get closer. Draw near, draw near in prayer. Don't, like even with our our involvement in church, don't stand at a distance and let the woman do it all. Draw near. I love our women there leading intercessory groups. Where's the men? Come on man, draw near, draw near in prayer, draw near in worship, draw near in your heart. Be present. Be there. Mm. Mm. Failure can cause people to stand at a, at a distance. Interesting, Moses called Aaron to draw near to the altar. Even after, uh, literally three months after Aaron had made the biggest mistake of his life, which cost the life of thousands of people. When it came to the, 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 the altar, or the place of offering, Moses saw him standing off afar. He must have felt stink about himself. Still felt stink. But Moses called to him and said, Aaron, come on. This is your time now to stand up. This is your time to stand up in ministry. This is your time now to stand up and become that man. Yeah, you, know, you might have made a mace of failure, but I know now that you've learned through that, now you understand what it means to offer sacrifices. And, and Now you understand. You've got empathy now, Aaron. You've walked through that journey. Now come and take your place at the altar. Draw near. Sometimes failure can cause us to stand at a distance. Sometimes uncertainty can cause us to stand at a distance. Let me tell you today, no failure is final. Be close to the family you're a part of. Be close to the one that you lead, the one God placed in you, placed you inside. Be part of the family that you're in. Fathers, men, be actively engaged. God placed you in this family. Don't go actively engaging in all these other families. around. If he had wanted you to be in that family, you would not be here. You would be over there. But he's placed you in this family. This one. So don't be on a distance and do all your stuff online in another family. He placed you in this one. If he had placed you in that family, like I said, he would have relocated you there. The fact is that you are here. God has placed you into this family. Hello? Be close. One of the biggest challenges in our world is being disconnected or absent fathers or absent men. Here's the last one. Come up. Let them come up. In other words, take responsibility. Be engaged. Be hands-on. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage. There's one thing about... Waking up, it's another thing to to draw near. It's another thing to actually then start to take responsibility, start to pick up a load, start to get your hands on something. You can't do it from a distance. You can't put your hands on something from a distance. You have to put your hands physically on something. Jesus put his hands on the the feet of his disciples. Peter and John, they put their hands on the body of the crippled man and hauled him to his feet. Maybe somebody's trying to get their hands onto, onto your life right now. Don't buck and kick. Allow, that, allow, that, allow a man to lift you to your feet. His name is Jesus. Be engaged. Take responsibility. Take courage. It takes courage to put your hand on something that's pretty wild. That's where it takes courage. It takes courage, men. A lot of things I'm afraid of. But it takes courage to draw close, to get up, draw close and put your hands on something. Can't do it from a distance. That's the seduction of online ministry. Do it from a distance. When it comes down to it though, we're going to live our lives together. we have got to share lives. And it's actually the day-to-day life of being in close contact which helps us grow and helps us develop. I was there's an interesting meeting at the beginning of this week on uh, on Monday where a whole bunch of pastors and politicians came together and had a concern for our nation. It's 100 people, invitation only. It's a privilege to be able to ask to come. I, I listened to a whole bunch of pastors. I listened to a whole bunch of politicians. This particular individual, this is what he said. Simon Bridges talked about how much he had been praying and fasting for this country he spoke of a spiritual contention that is happening in our nation he said half the battle is just showing up half the battle is drawing near (laughs) if you're drawing near you're already awake Half the battle's done. Half the battle is getting close. Half the battle is allowing your heart to become vulnerable, allowing, making a decision to come closer and not being remote. This is what he talked about. He could have talked about a whole bunch of policies. and No, this is what he didn't talk about. He talked about this. He talked about that there was a spiritual contention happening in our nation. He gave some examples of it. He said half the battle is showing up and drawing near. He spoke this. He spoke of the need to humble ourselves in prayer and that God would heal our land from 2 Chronicles 7. He also spoke on the book of Haggai, not to hold back, but to give ourselves to the building of his house. I'm not advocating you vote for anyone. What I'm telling you is this. I heard from a whole bunch of these politicians. Only two spoke like that. Two spoke like that. Two spoke of the contention and the need for us to pray, the need for us to be humble, the need for us to allow the Lord to speak into our heart, the need for us to not stand back but to draw near. He spoke on Haggai. How can you stand at your own know, luxury homes when the house of the Lord is in ruins? Draw near. Be like Joshua in Zerubbabel. We need to draw near. We need to take courage. We need to be involved. Sounds like a politician that I think is good for the country. To me, when I read that, when I listened to that again, I thought, if that's not a prophetic cry for us as a nation, I wanna speak to men one more time. Wake up, become aware of what's going on around you. Become aware of what's happening, the, the, the forces that are coming against your marriage. Be aware of the forces that are coming against you. Be aware of the forces coming against your children, against your grandchildren. Wake up, smell the smoke. Raise the alarm. Let all the men draw near and let them come up ready in the day of battle. We've got some land we need to reclaim. We've got some young people we need to reclaim. There's finance. There's territory that we need to reclaim. I love and just honor my own father today. Every Friday night, every Friday afternoon, teaching us about the ways of the kingdom. Teaching us how to be strong. Teaching us how to prayer, teaching us. Not gonna have no enemy come and seduce my children. Today, a call for you as men, stand up. Wake up, stand up, don't be at a distance. Be Be at the front line, be at the front line, be at the front line, be at the front line. Take responsibility. Start praying. If you're just praying just a little bit, just add a little bit more into it. Start praying in tongues. Learn to pray in tongues. Come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I need you today. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. It's one of the things I pray. Lord, speak into my life. Holy Spirit, I yield to you today. I yield to your ministry in my heart today. Holy Spirit, that you would come into my heart. That your Holy Spirit, that you would bring truth into my heart, Holy Spirit, that you would stir into me, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into the parts of my heart that are, that are needing truth, that are needing healing, that are needing strengthening. Speak into my heart today, Holy Spirit. Lord, I need you, I need your wisdom today. I need your guidance today. Lord, I stand on behalf of my family today. This is how I pray, this is how I pray, I'm modeling for you, I'll it from my dad. Father, today I stand on behalf of my family. Father, I stand on behalf of my wife and my children. Father, I decree today your blessing over their lives today. Lord, I surround my family. I surround my church family. Around the sons and daughters. Around surround every family of this church with the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you today that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I speak strength into your heart. I speak strength into your life. I call you to stand as the man of God. I call you today is to stand. That's how I pray. (laughs) I decree it over your life today. Can you imagine if a whole bunch of you fellas started to start to pray like that? When somebody wants to bring correction into your life. Oh, speaking to me. shape me. I'm sorry. I may not see it, but I'm sorry. Help me today. Come on, let's stand to our feet.